Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express in Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail and joining me today are Jamie Durant, Paul Chalk and Paul Third. We must, we must stop having two people with the same name on the pod, but we do it every week, so we shall... We shall continue, probably. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, how are we, guys? Hi, Ryan. Sleepy. Hanging, but hanging in there, I think. Yeah, hanging in there. I think every, yeah, everyone's sleepy after a, a busy Wednesday night of Premiership action. There was also Highland League for some of the other guys on the desk and in the North football journalism community. We won't complain. Uh, it's a, a charmed life, after all. So today we will discuss... Those Wednesday night games involving Aberdeen, Ross County and Cali Thistle. Uh, one loss, two draws across the Premiership and Championship there. We've also got Cove, Peterhead and Elgin to discuss with at least two of our teams. I think it is two in Scottish Cup action this weekend. So, first of all, we'll start with Aberdeen. 3-2 loss to Celtic at Pataudry. Last night, Paul, how about I give my assessment and then you tell me which points you agree with. So, Aberdeen, diabolical in the first half, playing three at the back, didn't know what they were doing. It was either short kamikaze passes across their own box or hopeless long balls out of play or straight back to Celtic. The first goal Celtic scored, uh, David Bates beat too easily out wide, but Gary Wood should be claiming that ball across his penalty area all day long before it reaches Jota, Calvin Ramsey, Calvin Ramsey slightly culpable as well, I would say, and for the second Celtic goal, it's a deflection, but they stand off too much. Fair play to Stephen Glass, um, despite the boos that rang out at half-time, changing things up, 4-3-3 was far better. Ross McCrory at right back with Calvin Ramsey going off. He was brilliant in the second half, I thought, because perhaps more so than Calvin Ramsey, McCrory um, is is a defender more than a, you know an attacking threat, and that's kind of what they needed because they were lacking that in the first half. Matty Kennedy also came on the wing. He's obviously recently back from stress, stress fractures in his back that kept him out for a long time. I thought he was impressive, but I thought the star man in the middle of the park that helped Aberdeen get back to 2-2 with two assists, but also with a bit of bite and energy in the middle of the park, but he hasn't played enough this season. Funzo Ojo. Uh, obviously, Aberdeen, after getting level through two decent goals, it's got to be said, the first one was a well-worked sort of training ground free kick, the second was a, a decent cross again from Ojo to Lewis Ferguson, decent header uh, Aberdeen obviously then conceded pretty much straight away to go 3-2 down and that's how it ended, that goal was slightly dubious in that uh, Lyle Ibada was blocking off David Bates and had come back from an offside position um, which prevented Bates from getting in Jota's way before he finished but I think on the first half performance uh, Aberdeen probably deserved to lose the game would be my opinion and despite it ending a bit more positive than it would have been had it ended after 45 minutes uh, there's no getting away from the fact Aberdeen are now ninth in the Premiership table and facing the only game that's keeping their season alive at the weekend the Scottish Cup fifth round clash at Fir Park against Motherwell is that a fair assessment Paul? Summed up perfectly can we move on to Ross County now? Um, <laughs> listen you have to take the the picture coming into this game, first of all, because it's three games that have been pretty grim from the Dons. Ross County was probably the best performance, but it's one point out of nine going into that. 
Wiley's playing four at the back and they're not playing well. So he thinks, right, I've got to change it because we've seen Celtic just destroying teams in the first half alone in the last couple of games. So he changes it up, but too passive, standing off your opponents, letting them play. You, th- you thought Celtic were the home team. And that is, I think that's the biggest criticism I can level against Aberdeen. I have not seen a first half from the Dons as bad as we saw on Wednesday night. And I've seen most of these games this season. It was yeah. terrible. Second half, he changed it. He brought Fonsuojo in, who, on the basis of what we've seen in the system deployed in the previous games, deserved to be on the bench, I think. Because he, if he's going to make a changes, then Ojo is the ultimate square peg in a round hole all season for Aberdeen. So, funnily enough, he puts him back in, in the position he was originally signed to play, centre midfield. And what do you know? He has a storming second half. And as for poor Matty Kennedy, he's missed most of the season with a back, multiple back fractures. He's going to end up having another one trying to carry this team the way he was playing in the second half. He had a really good 45 minutes. But I hope he stay, well, should I say, I hope he keeps his place in the team for the Scottish Cup tie. I hope Ojo keeps his place but most importantly I hope that team turns up at Fair Park on Saturday the one we saw in the second half because if the one we saw in the first half turns up Aberdeen are getting knocked out of the Scottish Cup it's kind of got to be the same team that played in the second half doesn't it at the weekend I think on Calvin Ramsey first of all obviously had a breakthrough first half of the campaign he impressed everybody with storm and runs forwards assists but in recent um, recent weeks I don't know if it's the injury he suffered towards the end of last year, or if it's the the you know the murmurs about his future in the build up to January and then throughout January. But to me, he looks a bit uncertain defensively at the moment. Um, this like you know, it's just a bit hesitant, um, just a bit behind the play at times. And then there's not uh, there's not enough of the forward runs anymore for me either. Do you think at this point they kind of just need to like pull him out and? I mean, McCrory, as I said, he impressed me last night and I would stick with him at right back for Motherwell. I, I would too. I mean, I, I, look, I look at Calvin Ramsey, we can all debate what the reasons are, but what is clear is he's out of form and he's lacking in confidence and they're shipping goals because of that. Not just him, but he, he's part of it. So I, I would take him out of the team for his own good. He's, I mean, we forget he's still only 18. Aberdeen need to shore up because the amount of goals are given away is worrying, and the kind of goals are given away is alarming. They need to fix that. So, yeah, get McCrory right, because as we saw, with that energy and drive up and down the park, with Kennedy in front of him, that's a pretty decent right-hand side. Likewise, on the left, Johnny Hayes had more of a licence to get forward, with Bejewin now having pulled more more left. That, that looked decent for me. The, the, the need to find little partnerships like that in the pitch, and I can't believe we're saying this in the middle of February. I still don't know Aberdeen's best team. Worse than that, I don't think the manager knows Aberdeen's best team. He still certainly doesn't know his best yeah. formation because he keeps chopping and changing and tweaking, and it's not bringing any changing results. Christian Ramirez, obviously, in the second, he was to- totally anonymous, and how couldn't he be in the first half? He was just running about like a headless chicken, chasing lost causes, as was Bazewin, who was playing up front with him in that first half. But in the second half, he showed that if you give him chances, you'll score. And when when they do create those chances, that's not really the issue for Aberdeen. They know they've got that potent goal scoring threat. Fair play, we've discussed this before, if he gets injured, that's a big problem. But while he's fit and firing, like t- to me, the issue at the moment is this this inability to keep clean sheets and when you look at the stats going at the Motherwell game this weekend 
The thing that's actually in Aberdeen's favour, or at least levels things up a little bit, is that both Aberdeen and Motherwell in the last five league games, I think, are two draws, three losses. Since the winter break, neither team has a win in the league. I believe Aberdeen have two points from 15 available, which is not great, but Motherwell, who are fifth place with Aberdeen in ninth, Motherwell have got uh, two points from 18 available, I think. But this game's at Far Park, and obviously that brings for Aberdeen the fear factor, the lack of confidence that we've seen away from home all season long. What is it, two two wins away from home in 17? Two wins domestically away from home. Yeah. Aye. But if you're an Aberdeen player getting on the team bus on Friday afternoon to head down to the hotel ahead of the game on Saturday, you're lying if you're saying, I'm feeling confident about tomorrow, because you're not. You're, you're plainly not. You're you're playing in a team that's struggling, and even worse, struggling for any sort of results on the road. And you're away to play a team who, yes, they're, they're not playing well themselves, but they've turned you over home and away this season, despite being out, I'm not going to say outplayed, but totally dominated in terms of possession by Aberdeen. Yet they've gone up a park score twice and won both games. I mean, at the start of the season, did when all this kind of changeover happened and obviously we'd seen signs of regression I suppose in the latter end of the McInnes era but like honestly did you expect this kind of level of drop-off where you, you, you're seriously looking over your shoulder at the relegation playoff places and if St Johnston start to pick up form there's only a couple of points between Aberdeen and County if I'm if I remember correctly I mean did we did we expect this yeah. did we expect it to be better than this I'm sure most Aberdeen fans would have probably accepted a little drop off a little bit of a transitional period but I don't know if they would have thought Christ we're going to be <laughs> we're going to only going to be a couple of places off the bottom of the table at this rate yeah it's it is still um I was speaking to Joe Harper this morning and he did point out that yeah if they win their game in hand and some of the teams above them there is a there is in theory a way they win one game and go all the way up to like fifth you know but as you say Dundee and St Johnson have won in the last week. County are only two points behind. So there's a scenario where after the cup game this weekend, next weekend, if County win and Aberdeen don't, um, not only do County overtake them, but they're playing St Johnston, so St Johnston closed the gap on them. I don't think there's a scenario, at least hope not, although, as me and Paul said before we started recording, it's notable that Dundee and St Johnston have both won, despite the, the diabolical seasons they're having. They've both won in the last week. Um, Dundee got a really good win against Hearts last night and you're you're thinking surely there's no chance to get sucked into like the the you know the bottom two battle but still I don't think you know I think Don's fans even the ones that were saying Luke we need to be patient it's going to be a series a season of transition they were probably thinking maybe we'll you know scrape top six I don't think anyone was thinking you know we're going to be we're going to be in the fight down in the bottom six, and then after the split, we'll be playing. We're playing those teams. Would you agree, Paul? How how do I follow up all of this? It's it's not a happy time to be an Aberdeen fan, and I no, I don't think any even the most pessimistic Aberdeen supporter expected their team to be ninth in the tenth of February. If we'd said that in July, because we have the annual beating a couple of teams that we've never heard of in Europe and you think, oh, the Dons are looking good this year. The season starts, they win a couple of games and then it tails off. We've watched that the last three, four seasons in a row 
to be honest. And this is where we're at again, but I've never seen the tail off in the margin, in the manner we have just now. And if you look overall, would you say the forward line's better, the midfield's better, the defence is better? Is the goalkeeping making you feel confident in the team? No, in all four departments. We were we were promised attacking football and promoting the youth. We're not seeing an awful lot of attacking football, certainly not a lot of chances being created. And statistically, Aberdeen have got the oldest team in the league. I think that was noticeable in the Richard Donald stand last night, that every single time a, a pass was played backwards, someone would shout attacking football. Um, you know, almost sort of uh, uh, in a, a sarcastic manner. And like, there's no getting away from the fact that although it is a season of transition, Aberdeen have still spent a lot of money on wages, they've paid transfer fees, and they're still where they are. And the teams around them, you know, have spent a lot less than that, yet they're, they're level pegging with some of them, which isn't great. As we saw last night, the Red Shed has been a great introduction in terms of the atmosphere at Pitodri. But when it's not going well, that same group of fans have a very loud voice that can be heard negatively. And we heard, we have to say it, we heard the chance of Stephen Stephen, well, you know where to go, basically, with what they were saying after the, the second goal from Celtic went in. And that's the first time we've audibly heard that at Pitodri. I think there was maybe chance of that at Dens Park back, back in October. That prompted the chairman to come out and back his manager. We're still waiting to hear from him. I'm sorry, I have to keep coming back to the chairman because the manager has had two windows since he came in. The first one, he brought in a lot of players. Some haven't worked out, but in that second window, when he needs to try and address it and make some changes, it's not really happened for him. He's not had that opportunity to do it. And that's why we're now seeing Aberdeen toiling where they are. What they've got in the favour is that beyond like the, the top three teams, maybe you've got so much inconsistency in, in the rest of the pack that even though Aberdeen have been so infuriating with their their own form, they're not out of it if they can string a few results together. But the problem is you don't maybe see where those few results are coming from. And that's the issue that you've got. When you're not playing well, you, it's hard to see where results come from. And say Dundee and St. Johnston can get lifts from picking up results. County have looked good in recent weeks. The way they played against Rangers, the way they remained in the game, they've kind of picked up points. With Aberdeen, you you're not seeing that. You're not get, seeing too many signs, I would say, for encouragement that makes you think, oh yeah, we can we can go and put two, three, four results together and and kind of start climbing the table and look like the team they want to be again. It's it's more it's more worrying than promising, I would say, at the minute. You're you're right, Jamie. I, I share or should I say I wish I had the manager's optimism because he talks about Oh, if we, if we win that one game on Tuesday, we're, we're back in the, the top six. If we can put a run together, we'll be right back up there. But if you look at the season as a whole, December was four wins out of five. Give me another month where you would go, that was a, that was a strong month from Aberdeen. There hasn't been one. So that's August, September, October, November, January. And now we're into February and it's not exactly off to a flyer. We're running out of months. <laughs> yeah, and I, I suspect as well there's a... There's an element in the fan base that probably get quite annoyed at you know watching a first half like they watched last night and then afterwards hearing, well, the good thing is you know there's none of the other teams are winning consistently either, because it's like you know fans don't care that, about the other teams; they care yeah, about their that's team. That's not you know that doesn't make up for your own shortcomings. Anyway, 
let's move on to Ross County. It feels like a watershed moment this weekend for Aberdeen, but we'll see what happens. Um, special mention to the the Don's fan. Was he a Don's fan? What was he? Who knows? The man in a t-shirt. Just a t-shirt. I was in four layers, five layers last night, right? I had hotties in my pocket, right? I had a hat on, I had a scarf on. This guy in a t-shirt waltzed on, got his weird video selfie thing with Joe Hart where he shouted some unintelligible rubbish at him and Joe Hart shouted some unintelligible rubbish back and then got back into the south stand. I think I think he maybe got caught afterwards, but back into the south stand also nicking a match ball on the way there from a ball boy and no steward or police officer batted an eyelid which I just found absolutely absolutely remarkable. I I at a certain point I thought I was having a I thought I was having a moment and that I was imagining this guy and I'm sure a lot of people did in the stadium. Anyway, we'll move on. Ross County won, Livingston won after this short break. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Okay, Paul, having seen the highlights of this one, you were there. You can tell me it looked cold, it looked colder in Aberdeen, even though we've been discussing how cold it was at Pataudry. Snowing during this game, but Livingston were the team that started hotter, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They they did. They started the front foot, and uh, you know the. I don't know how much fans look at historical uh, results and. and Head to heads, but uh, you know Ross County went into this one only five victories out of thirty-two against Livingston. So, if you want to suggest a, a bogey team, you would look at Livingston. But I think maybe there should be a, a, an appreciation, maybe of what Livingston are all about under David Martindale. We saw them defeat Aberdeen at the weekend down at Almondvale uh, with a, a two-one win, and they've got Alan Forrest at the moment attracting interest from elsewhere. He scored against the Dons at the weekend, took his goal terrifically well against Ross County. Now the manager Malky Mackay said afterwards and we spoke to Jordan White as, as well that, that that was an off night for Ross County and of course it should have been 2-0 when uh, the Lions were awarded a spot kick and it was blazed well over by uh, Obelai um, in the, the closing stages but that gave County just something to hang on to. As you say Ryan it was a horrible night and it looked as if it was just going to peter out but County just kept chipping away. They kept kept going and then um, just a, a, a real scramble in the box that caused real confusion in the press box and, and all around when we were trying to figure out who got the goal um, but uh, Kane Ramsey on loan from Southampton buried the header in stoppage time and uh, a 1-1 result and uh, as you say Ryan with Dundee getting that unexpected win at Tynecastle uh, it took them off the bottom of the league but what it does do is it pulls County just that point closer to Aberdeen albeit the Dons have got a game in hand and County are looking upwards they're not looking over their shoulder they're four unbeaten now and uh, they've got a weekend off with the Scottish Cup taking over this weekend and uh, they'll be back to face Hibs next weekend and Sean Maloney's looking for a win at Easter Road so it's not quite happening for them so County looking forward to yeah, that one a good opportunity yeah yeah um, on the on the penalty Livingston got I think I think with the, the goal 
that Livingston scored uh, through Forest. I think there'd maybe be an acceptance that, although it was a good finish, that County could have maybe been a bit less passive in the way they defended it. Um, with a Richard Foster on sports scene, um, the font and oracle of these sorts of things, he said that he didn't think that Regan Charles Cook had done enough um, to warrant there being a penalty for Livingston. He felt it was pretty soft. It was kind of like, it was almost like Regan Charles Cook got caught wrong side and he puts his hands up and as soon as the two hands you know, make contact with the Livingston player and the Livingston player goes down, the referee blows up. It was quite a hilarious spot kick in the end with that sort of, you know, really slow stuttered run up and then the, the blaze over the bar. Uh, I was going to ask you, yeah, penalty, no penalty? Um, when penalties are awarded, I always look at how much of a protest there was. and There was a bit of a protest from County, but I think the fact that Malky Mackay, in fact, in his post-match didn't even mention it, I don't think he argued t- too much uh, about it, and uh, County got off, off the hook uh, with that one. And In these games this season against Livingston, Livingston have struck twice late on to deny... Um, County uh, results uh, so uh, it was one the other way uh, this time, two really really well matched teams uh, this season, you know County could have overtaken Livingston last night but as you say Ryan it was a, a dreadful penalty and I, I think you'll be looking back in, in horror but it opened the door for County to just press once more and, and uh, thankfully they had enough time to do it and um, you know it was delighted to see Kane Ramsey he took to social media last week uh, sorry last night just talking about his delight at scoring his first goal in, in County Colours and one thing I have to say is that the lone players that Malky have brought up they've really bought into the, the kind of they're here not just as a lone player they're really buying into what County are about and that is you know a team that really should be bottom two given their resources uh, are, are punching above their weight and really looking to kick towards mid-table uh, in the, the closing months. Yeah, he's had a decent hit rate with signings and I thought it was quite interesting there when you talked about Livy had obviously done that to County earlier this season, pegged them back late on and with the temperatures last night, revenge is a dish best served cold. Uh, in in terms of Livy and County, it does feel a little bit as well. There were kind of four teams down the bottom at the start of the season when you look at Dundee and St Johnston yeah they've had wins in the last week as we've said but they're still struggling down there but it does feel like County and Livingston are the two that have you know moved away from trouble and are continuing to just picking up points Ross County could have easily taken nothing last night but they find a way to just pick up something and keep that momentum yeah the big frustration just very briefly is to for Ross County is they're the third highest scorers in the Premiership but they can't keep a clean sheet, so they're always requiring two goals or more to win a game, uh, which is the is the problem for them. So if they can tighten up defensively, that's the key to them climbing this table because they've scored, uh, I think, in their last eleven league games. So there's no problem at the other end. It's just keeping it tight at the back. That's the what they're aiming for at Easter Road. I'm away to say on the subject of teams that can't keep a clean sheet, but if I say that, it's kind of it's kind of vague and unclear which of our northern goal teams I'm referring to. Uh, but we are moving to the Caledonian Stadium where Jamie was last night. I think Inverness, it was a 3-2 draw in the end with Park. They were down three times, am I correct, Jamie, Inverness? Yes, they were. Uh, they trailed twice in the first half and once in the second half. Um, Brian Graham claimed the first goal, but on kind of second second view, and it's gone in off Wallace Duffy. Um, then Billy Mackay's leveled for them straight away pretty much but then I think the lead the oh, sorry the parity kind of lasted like five or six minutes and Brian Graham scored again 
Um, and then on the stroke of half-time, Shane Sutherland's levelled it up. And then there's a daft penalty that's given away by by Robbie Dees in the second half. And Brian Graham, he claims, claims the match ball with the penalty, um, even if he was... Uh, even if his manager was coming out after the game disproving the fact that he uh, he deserved the hat trick and then it it appeared to be kind of much much of the the same for Cali Thistle as how the the kind of wars have been of late and um stoppage time i had everything written it's the uh, it's the proverbial nightmare for every reporter where everything was written and ready to send to the i'm sure grateful subs to pick up the copy and then 93 94 minutes Kirk Broadford gets his head to the ball and it sneaks in and it's uh, it's rewrite central. <laughs> but um, yeah. talking was the feeling. I think <laughs> um, I was there as well. Yeah, <laughs> but well, Kirk, Kirk Broadford. I spoke to him after the game and he was getting dug out by uh, by Ian McCall for claiming the goal because apparently it went in off uh, off Lewis Mayo. Um, but I don't think anybody was going to take it off uh, of Kirk Broadfoot. Um, I think he just managed to get his head to. The Reese McAleer's corner, and it had gone in. Um, it was, it was a topsy turvy, topsy turvy game. And I'm sure if you're a Cali Thistle fan, you, you, after the way it went, you probably take it. But you're also questioning, <laughs> what is it taking us to go down three times to get something out of the game? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's one of those, isn't it, where we go into the game thinking, God, Cali Thistle need to start winning if they're going to keep yeah. this title challenge alive and get over this, this uh, extended speed bump they've hit. They need to start winning regularly again and it's another draw but the nature of the draw makes it almost feel a bit better than you know if you'd offered them a point at the start of the night they wouldn't have been happy with that but are they are they slightly more happy than they yeah, would have been given I think it out? that was the kind of the message that came out from Billy Dodds afterwards because of because of the way it kind of came about it feels almost like a little bit more like a win or the potential for a springboard to something and though obviously with the way results panned out across the league it hasn't actually cost them anything like I know our broth snatched a late draw against Hamilton but I see Killy got beat against Air, so in fact they've actually gained a little bit of ground on there um, there's maybe a little frustration that what could have been if they'd won that game that they'd have gained even more ground but like you were saying in relation to Aberdeen Cali Thistle fans I don't suppose care too much about what other teams are doing they want their team to to start picking up points and deliver a little bit of consistency Um and that's that's obviously kind of been kind of missing of late within Vanessa. The players that they've got in the forward areas they're gonna give themselves chances because you'd struggle to find too many people over the last eight, nine years that can match the goal tallies of Billy Mackay and Shane Sutherland. Uh, albeit at different levels, but they're in the same team. And I think it's the old adage that you can score that you you can score goals at any level. You always know where the goal is, it's just other bits of quality that comes around it, and you've got the two of them in the same team. And in the first half, they just kind of seemed to... A couple of moments killed them switching off from kind of balls into the box. And they, there wasn't a... There wasn't like a fluidity or like a, a confidence, really, I felt from them going forward. But in the second half, they seemed to be able to get at, get at Partick a little bit more. They were the team that was kind of pressing for... For the for the kind of the the goal to go ahead, and obviously it was it was at the other end it kind of came about. Um, but Billy Dodds was kind of very effusive and very happy after the game. He said he was struggling to contain himself at how pleased he was at the way his team didn't give up and felt that given the their run of form of late, it would have been easy for them to fold again at going three two down and thinking, well, that's it. We we're not going to get anything out of this game, but. They continued to press and and probe for a way back into the game, and they and they got it in 
in stoppage time. Um, again, it wasn't played in ideal conditions and there maybe wasn't the, the crowd there that it deserved, but uh, I'm sure they're, they're coming away trying to take something something positive from it. Uh, Chalky, not to make this hurt Billy Dodds' feelings goal, <laughs> but, when was la- but when was the last time Cali Thistle actually did win a game? Yeah, it was uh, December the 11th against Morton when they won 6-1. So that's uh, eight games now without a win. Um, two months, well, two by one day shy. Yeah, I, I think the the big thing from what Jamie was saying as as well, and from what I can glean from last night is what what Billy said after the the Morton game is that there was almost an acceptance from the team when they went one down against Morton that it's oh, it's just not going to be our day. We're just going to lose this. On Wednesday, the players refused that. You know, they're they're up against it. The crowd are against them at the moment. They they are desperate for a, a result, and they they dug deep three times to to get a result. And um, you just sense that they needed something like that to to happen. They're up against an air team, as you say, that have won the Ayrshire Derby last night as well. So, that, but they've got a week to prepare for that, and the, that break comes at a good time for Cali Thistle, I think. I was going to ask, how did Austin Samuels get on? Um, he was very, kind of very on the fringes of the game I would say I mean he had a couple of decent runs with the ball in the first half but he was substituted early in the second um, and didn't I say he didn't really have a, a tangible impact on the game he started out wide on the left we kind of thought before the game that he might he might play him through the middle but he was um, he started out wide with Sam Pearson on the opposite flank and then it was Shane and Billy through the middle um, whether that's his role in the team going forward, I don't know. He's he's obviously got the pace that he could probably be using behind, and maybe hasn't got the end product to make a a long term go of the of the wide role. Um, but I think there's there's flashes there. But again, we saw that at Aberdeen without their kind of it building into anything more tangible. Maybe with a consistent home, a consistent role within the team that develops and working with Billy Dodds. Um, but I think it was quite like quite telling that when Logan Chalmers came on, he had more of an impact in the kind of wide role than in the thirty minutes or so that he got than than kind of Samuels did in the first half. And I have to say, just on that, it was a, I felt the opposite on on Saturday where I thought Austin Samuels he whipped in the most dangerous crosses, and I asked Billy about that earlier in, in the week, and um, you know a couple of the the balls he put in were just a whisker away from. Billy McKay getting on, on the end of so that's something that Billy thinks he can work with but I, th- I think the big thing for the player himself is just finding that consistent level isn't it right now We shall see how Cali Thistle and Austin Samuels fare then in the weeks ahead. Anyway, let's move on shall we to the lower leagues, we've got Cove, Peterhead and Elgin to discuss it's a big week for all three but Peterhead in particular Okay, despite saying that about Peterhead, we will start though with Cove Rangers. Cove head in their game against Queen's Park this weekend. Queen's Park fallen title challengers at this point anyway. Um, but it's a team that haven't beaten this season. I think they've drawn twice, Jamie. Is that right? Am I right in yeah. saying that? Uh, they got beat 2 1 or 2 0 down okay. there earlier in the season, I think. But it was a 1 1 draw with Airdrie at the weekend for Cove. Uh, I think that's is that two draws in the spin as well? I keep asking. Yes, these questions. yeah, the drew with Dunbar the week well. before. So, I mean. Maybe the juggernaut has slowed st- slightly, but it remains a juggernaut. They're picking up points every week. They're still in full control of the title race. What are you expecting about Queen's Park this weekend? Is that just something they hope to tick off a win against them this season? 
Well, I think it's it's the next it's the next step towards ultimately realizing their their ambition. This was a big month when you look at the games that they that they had in store. Obviously, they played Adrianians last week, who were their nearest nearest challengers. They've got Queens Park this week, who have kind of not maybe had the the consistency that they would have hoped for, or maybe they have been too consistent and they've been consistently drawing games. Um, and then they've got Falkirk Falkirk to come. I think. Yeah, from speaking to Scott Ross yesterday, it's not maybe something that the manager would mention, but I think it's kind of just been mentioned among the players that said it's they've not they've not beaten them this season. There was a three three draw up in the northeast um, earlier in the season, and that was it was a really entertaining game to watch and one that Cove remained kind of in right until the right until the death. Um, I think it's too again it's too early to say. This this game could be decisive, or this game could be decisive. They've still got a healthy seven point lead at the top of the table. Um, they're a team that's used to being in this position over the years in the Highland League and then League Two as well. Um, I mean, it's only last last season out of to say the last five maybe that you'd say they weren't in title contention, or they were until the split. Really, um, no one will be that will be getting kind of too too carried away with anything just yet. They've still got some big games to go. They've still got a full round of fixtures to play um, kind of beyond this month where they'll, they'll play Adrianians, Montrose, Queen's Park again um, before the end of the season. But what they've got is they've, they're in the position of superiority, if you want to put it that way. They're top of the league. They've got seven points of an advantage over everybody else. They've not lost a league game since October. Um, they're they're probably playing the the other team that's probably as difficult to beat as them because I mean Mont- um, Queens Park have only lost three games this season, but on the flip side they've they've drawn thirteen of them. So it's um, Cali Thistle. <laughs> maybe maybe, are, maybe Queens Park are the Cali Thistle of the of League One, um, but Queens Park have got the quality to hurt to hurt teams, but they've just they've just not had that maybe that killer that killer instinct that a team like Cove have had where they've been able to win tight games or. Or kind of dig out results when when they've maybe not been at the best. We're pitching a kind of summer tournament for preseason between Cali Thistle, Wick Academy, and Queens Park teams that basically have drawn every game this season uh, for for blockbuster thrills and spills over the summer. Uh, Peterhead they obviously take on Dundee in the Scottish Cup. They've got to wait until Monday to do it, but the bonus is that it's on telly and they'll get a, a windfall from it. You'd hope in financial terms. Who knows, given that Dundee are resurgent and beat Hearts last night, if if Peterhead's chances are lessened. But let's try and get through this, Jamie, this preview section without saying free hit or any synonyms for free hit. No, you've put me on the spot there. How I can... Gratis uh, <laughs> <laughs> goal. How I, can, uh, how I can spin this one without using those magic words. No, it's... Uh, there's no pressure on uh, on Peterhead, if you want to put it that way. Um they maybe nobody will expect them to get a result, um, but within the club and within the team, they know they've got the quality to go out there and cause an upset. I mean, look, there's a reason this game's on TV. People, the broadcasters or the people that make these decisions, clearly feel there's a chance of an upset because of Dundee's form in the Premiership this season. Now, their result against Hearts will undoubtedly give them a lift and probably does make Pete Head's job a little bit harder on on Monday night and maybe 
Peterhead haven't had the run of form they would have liked going into this game where they haven't picked up as many wins as they have. They've been playing well without picking up results. And that that may that may be kind of a, a crucial factor, but you've also got the fact that it's a one off it's a one off game and Peterhead have got players in in their squad that can raise the game for games like this. And I think the the thing that they they need to kind of accentuate on Monday night and the way they need to play it, they need to come out sharp and with an intensity that that maybe Dundee aren't expecting because that's where their strengths lie. They've got a lot of energy and a lot of kind of young players in that team that can that have got great kind of stamina and great fitness levels. They they can get about Dundee. They can't let Dundee settle into a game on Monday night and let them kind of dictate the way it's going to go. They need to be in to borrow a, to borrow a, fi- a favorite phrase of a even an express columnist. They need to get in the faces like. Full stop. <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure if King Joey is watching the game on uh, Monday night, he would be, he'll be proud <laughs> of the way Peter Head approached the game. But that's to me, as a kind of impartial observer, that's how I see Peter Head needing to to play. Otherwise, if they if they kind of sit off or if they kind of allow Dundee time on the ball, there's the quality there to go on and punish them. And I've spoke to, I've spoken to. To Jim McAnally this morning, and he, he just wants, he just hopes his players kind of step up to the occasion because it's massive for the club. Like Peterhead have been to the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup once in their entire history, and as was pointed out to me when I was speaking to people at the club earlier in the week, that was almost that was by default because it was in the 2000-2001 season, and they were due to play Edrie Edrie you know Edrionis in the round of 16, and it was the time when. Edry were having financial difficulties and they couldn't raise a team. So Peter Head got a buy through to the last to the last eight and they were then beaten by Livingston. Um so the exposure that'll come from this game and the the finances that are that are maybe available, it's maybe small change to clubs further up the pyramid, but to a club like Peter Head, it's a chance to maybe look at one or two players or extend contracts or whatever. It can kind of have a building block effect going forwards if they if this were to cause a, a huge upset, and it would be, it would be a great, it'd be a great night for the club. Um, Dundee, rightly, will be doing everything they can to make sure it's as a seamless progress um, as possible. But it's up to Peterhead to go out there, make it awkward, make it difficult, and who knows, maybe come away with a with a result. A giant slaying. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Dundee's eyes will be on this. Game actually, I just wonder. But given we all know what is the number one priority at Dent Park at this point, and it's staying in the in the Premiership, I just wonder if that might be reflected in the the team that James McPeak selects for the the trip to Balmoor. Well, it's, it's, that's that's true, and I think Jim raised the point this morning that that could be said for both teams because Peterhead aren't clear of danger in League One just yet, um, and obviously Dundee are kind of mired in a kind of a relegation battle in. In League One, uh, sorry, in the champ, uh, I'll get there in the end. In the Premiership as well. Um, so it's who knows, who knows, who knows what kind of team could be out there. I think they're looking at maybe Josh Mulligan started last night, who'd obviously been at Peterhead and starred for them earlier in the season. Could he be coming up against the Blue Tune on on Monday night? You've also got um, Cami Kerr, who had a couple of loan spells with Peterhead earlier in his career. Who um, I think has maybe kind of spoken highly of his kind of experiences there in the past um, Peterhead will put, us, put out a strong team 
on Monday night. And I think when you look at the way their league season has gone, um, the kind of it has been inconsistent. But this is the kind of game that it's the kind of game that you go out there and say, "Look, guys, come go make some memories, make heroes of yourselves, and um, achieve a little bit of a little bit of history for the club." Well, we shall see on Monday how things go for Peterhead. Hopefully. They get on a bit better than Cove did in the Scottish Cup, although Cove done themselves proud, but they obviously didn't go through against Hibs. Uh, Elgin City, finally. Paul, um, Paul C, Paul Chalk, Chalky, the Chalkster. Um, Gavin Price, manager of the month for League Two. I mean, it, to me, that says a bit about League Two, given that Elgin, I think, in, in January was it. Two wins in five games, or they're on a two-gate wins in five games run at the moment. So it feels to me basically like it's an award for beating Kelty Hearts. But um, is it is it a boost? Do, do, do the teams care? The players care? The coaches care about these things? Yeah. So uh, Gavin Price, the manager, described it as a, a nice accolade. I think to be fair to, to Elgin, not only did they beat Kelty Hearts, but they beat the the second top team in League Two, Forfar, who have been fairly consistent one uh, 0 as well with Darrell McHardy. Scoring so two two big wins there, uh, two draws. But I think you point towards the end of the month, Ryan, where they you know they tailed off by losing to Stenhouse Muir and then Kelty Hearts beat them four 0 at the start of February. So that's kind of um, kind of uh, take the shine off what January was all about. But Gavin Price spoke to him yesterday, and um, as much as these awards are great, and it's he said it's obviously for the the rest of the backroom staff really these out as awards as well they need to get what they were back to in January find that consistency that showed what Elgin are capable of but they need bursts of these four or five games regularly with maybe the odd defeat you can take the odd hit now and again but you know they've they've fallen away a fair bit I think they're eight points behind Ed- Edinburgh City now in fourth place so um They've got a massive game against Stranraer this weekend, followed by Annan, who are up there in third position, uh, visiting Borough Briggs in a rearranged game on Tuesday. Uh, so just looking at those straight away, that's two tough ones, but you'd be looking at, uh, you're needing a minimum of four points, but crucially, if you can get six, what a boost that would give Elgin. But yeah, the award was uh, was, a, was a boost for Elgin. It showed, it was a wee reminder of the heights that they can get to uh, when, when they play to their capabilities and um, you know one we, we boost for Elgin this morning is we, we all knew, knew there was these betting charges came out, up with the SFA um, they have been delayed until the summer which is, speaking to the chairman Graham Tatters this morning gives them breathing space because Gavin Price was looking at getting trialists in and uh, you know players badly needed to bolster if, if they were going to be missing players uh, through uh, on the back of the, the betting charges. That's been delayed until probably the summer, so Elgin have got the squad that they have now to just carry on and that, that can uh, then take that forward now into the weekend. Okay, um, I don't think I don't, don't think listeners that it's lost on me that we think Elgin are still well in the playoff hunt despite being eight points off fourth placed Edinburgh but we think the League One title is all but sealed, although Cove are seven points clear of Erdionians. Um But, you know, we favour our teams, basically, is the issue. And if you don't like that, um, please keep listening. Anyway, thanks to Paul, Paul and Jamie for joining me today. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Ryan. It's all right. If you've enjoyed this week's episode of Northern Goal, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email us any questions or queries at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. 
and finally enjoy the football if you're you know well games have got to be enjoyable first but enjoy the football whichever games you're watching this week cheers Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.